So we are in a new series. We spent the last three weeks talking about mission, and today we're going to talk a bit more about community, but we're going to do it in the context of this idea of, of the Word of God. Now, a number of weeks back, our every nation world, every nation is, is the family of churches to whom we're connected, and we had a, a one-week fast, and it ended and culminated on a night of worship on a Friday. But during that week, we focused in prayer on the Word of God, talking about how the Word of God is a seed, how it's, it's a sword, how, how it's many different things. And I, I was reading through the, the booklet, and I just thought to myself, this is a good series. I'm not going to come up with the series. I'm going to steal this one. And so we're going to be going through those texts. Now, it, it's the Bible, so I can, I can do that. Um, because they don't own the Bible, but uh, I did take the titles. So for that, thank you, every nation. Uh, but we're going to be looking at how the Word of God is valuable to us, how it is the, the way in which God, he, he intersects with our soul, our life, our hearts, and how he builds us up. And to kick it off, I wanted to pray a prayer. Now, this this is a book called The Valley of Vision. It's a, it, you know, you may or may not like this. It's a collection of poems from some really old dead people. Um, but they're, they're people who really sought after God and thought deeply about him. And for me, it's been a beneficial thing to read. Uh, you know, you, you could read this like one a day or something like that. I don't know. There's, there's a lot. But, uh, but I wanted to read one called The Minister's Bible and, and just... Pray along with me as we hear this saint direct us in what it looks like and how to engage the word of God. O God of truth, I thank you for the holy scriptures, their precepts, their promises, their direction and light. In them, may I learn more of Christ. May I be enabled to retain his truth and to have grace to follow it. Help me to lift up the gates of my soul that he may come in. And show me himself when I search the scriptures, for I have no lines to fathom its depths, no wings to soar to its heights. By his aid, may I be enabled to explore all its truths, to love these truths with all my heart, to embrace these truths with all my power, and engraft them into my life. Bless to my soul all the grains of truth garnered by your word. May they take deep root, be refreshed by heavenly dew, be ripened by heavenly rays, be harvested to my joy in your praise. Help me to gain profit by what I read, as treasure beyond all treasure, a fountain which can replenish my dry heart, its water flowing through me as a perennial river, on drawn by the Holy Spirit. Enable me to distill from its pages faithful prayer that grasps the arm of your, your omnipotence, that achieves wonders, obtains blessings, and draws down streams of mercy. That's the kind of prayer we want. From it, show me how my word may may have often been unfaithful to you, injurious to my fellow man, empty of grace, full of folly, dishonoring to my calling. Then write your own words upon my heart and inscribe them on my lips. So shall all glory be to you in my reading of your word. Father, may that be our prayer and our experience. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And we're going to stand together, together and read the word of God together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. 
having purified your souls by the obedience to your, the truth for a sincere and brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh like the grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, we do ask that you would impress upon us the immense value of your word. God, let us see Christ in scripture and let us see your direction for our lives in scripture. Open our eyes, as the psalmist says, to behold wonderful things in your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be now and you'd speak to us from this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. As a side note, it's worth noting that we, we spent three weeks talking about mission. In the latter two weeks, I really talked about community on mission. Um, and this week, I attempted to delve into the Word of God, and so I looked at these texts. And just so you're aware, the way that I tend to, some of you don't care, but just stick with me. But <laughs> the way that I, I, I go through Bible texts, I'll either choose through prayer and, and conversation with some people, um, like a, a book of the Bible for us to go through, or a number of different texts. And in this case, we're, we're choosing the text from this, this prayer book. And so I started to look into 1 Peter because it says this thing in verse 24 and 25, talking about the living word, the, the word of God which is living and abiding, right? This idea, this kind of nugget that you see in there that the word of God is living and abiding. But what's interesting is that nugget lives in a context and that context is the context of community as we're about to see. And so I just want to impress upon you that God is trying to get our attention to, to help us see that we need to be a gospel inundated, Bible-focused, what, community. The last two sermons ha have landed hard in this idea of what good, godly community looks like. And this week we're going to talk about community again, even though I'm trying to have a conversation about the Bible. Because as I began to look at this, I didn't want to just preach my thoughts, but I wanted to preach what the Bible text says, and the Bible text focuses by and large on community. So I just want us to reorient ourselves around this idea that perhaps there's something that God wants you to do or to embrace individually as we corporately embrace the fact that God is developing a community in this congregation, the community of Grace Covenant Church in Sterling. So, in this short little section, we see one simple, though not easy, command and two potent, powerful reasons. One simple, though not easy, command and two powerful reasons for that command. So, let's look at verse 22. I'm going to skip a little bit ahead and then we're going to come back. <clears throat> in 22, the second section, it says this, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We have heard this before. If you've been paying attention at all, 
You've heard this before. If you've been in church for any length of time, my hope is that you have heard this before because the command to love one another is all throughout Scripture. I, I looked it up, and, and I didn't even come up with all of the, the, the references, but I'm just going to go through a few of them. In John chapter 13, one of the texts that I often quote in 1334, it says this, a new commandment, Jesus is speaking, he says, I give to you that you love one another. There it is, right there in Scripture. Love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. In Romans, written by Paul the Apostle, it says something very similar. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says this. Uh, verse, I'll start in verse 9. Let love be genuine, genuine. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Then in 1 John, all of 1 John, if you want to know what it looks like to love one another, read 1 John because 1 John is all about loving one another. Um, Paul writes in, in straight lines. Uh, John writes in circles. <laughs> so you, you'll be reading through John and say, hey, didn't he just say that a second ago? And he'll say, yes, I did. And I'm going to repeat it again. In 1 John chapter 3, it says this, verse 11, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, what? That we should love one another. Then he goes on in verse 4 and says, just in case you didn't hear me, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. And he continues to talk about this idea of loving one another. Then in Galatians, if we flip back to, to the writings of Paul, it says in chapter 5, verse uh, 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. A little different, but not really. Serve one another. Why? Out of love for one another. Why does the Bible repeat itself so much? If you're a parent, you know why. Because we're not listening. Because we need to be reminded. Because even though this is a simple command, it is not an easy command. Right? It would be a simple command for me to go and say, you know, Jermaine, don't do this, Jermaine, but Jermaine, go lift that, that speaker. It's not necessarily an easy command because it's a heavy speaker. And this command is not an easy command because it's a, it's a heavy call. And if you think it's an easy call, you're probably not doing it. You know, I, I, I looked at this, and, and the reality is I think that we have all a kind of cursory and shallow understanding of this idea of loving one another. And I don't say that as criticism, but I say that to invite us all into exploring what that really would look like. Why does, why does the Bible so often belabor this point? Because the call to love has to look, look like more than just a nice text or a kind glance on Sunday, a conversation around the coffee pot, or in our case, the coffee box. Not that those are bad things. Those are good things. But I think that God has more for us as a community, as a congregation, than uh, friendly acquaintance. So he says, love one another. But he doesn't just leave it there. If we look at that verse again, it says this in First, First Peter Verse 22, the second part. Love one another earnestly. He says, guys, don't just, don't just have this kind of casual, lackadaisical love for one another, but love one another earnestly. And that word, it, it implies an idea of perseverance. 
What does that mean? That means you love people even when they look at you funny on Sunday. You love people even when they ignore you. You love people even when they they don't invite you to something. You love people even when they're mean to you. You love people even when they're unkind to you. Why? Not because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. But because God has called you to do something that he has shown you how to do. Love them earnestly. How many times have you had this conversation with God? God, why should I? God's answer is always Jesus. Why should I forgive him? Why should I listen to him? Why should I forgive her? Why should I be kind to her? Why should I open up to this person? I'm an introvert. I don't like to talk to people. It stresses me out. Well, Jesus did. Jesus did. Why should I... Why should I try and listen to this person? I've got other things to do. Well, because Jesus did. Why should I love sacrificially? Why should I give? I've I've got bills of my own. Why should I contribute to them? Why should I care about them? Well, because Jesus did. He loved earnestly. And we are called to love earnestly. It says this, love earnestly from a pure heart. That word pure It has connotations of ritual cleanness, cleansing. So in the temple, they would have uh, utensils and things that had to be clean. They had to be pure. They could not be uh, sullied or dirty from other things. They couldn't be used for common purposes. You didn't just use the cup that was left out. You had to have a clean cup that had been consecrated, been set aside. And, And Peter's telling us, your heart is intended to carry the love of God in a pure manner. So that it's not mixed with hatred. It's not mixed with unforgiveness. It's not mixed with bitterness. It's not mixed with frustration. It's not mixed with selfishness. It's pure. It's able to carry this love. So that when you pour out the love, there's nothing else that's mixed up. There's not selfishness mixed up. There's not manipulation that's mixed up. There's not not negativity that's mixed up. It's pure love flowing because Jesus has poured his love out in you. Not only should we love one another, but we should love one another wholeheartedly without quitting. I could stop right here, and if we would just spend some time meditating on this and trying to do it, what an awesome community of people we would be. And, and I'm, I love you guys. I'm thankful for you. I'm calling you up to the next level of what I think we are, because I see God moving. I see you loving sacrificially. I see you giving sacrificially of time, energy, resources. I mean, if anything, COVID has allowed us so many opportunities to love people financially. It's been a weird time because you've wanted to, to bake a cake or, or, or make some lasagna or, or do something, but, but it's weird because people have gotten sick and you, you're like, uh, can I bring you? I don't want to be near you. So we're all door dashing everyone, but we're just throwing cash. As, you know, I love you. Here's some cash. And it's, it's been so encouraging to me to see that. Some of you have, have, have had babies and some of you have gotten sick with other things or you've had family issues and I've, I've seen one another, I've seen you guys love one another and it has been an encouragement to me. So please don't hear this as, as criticism as, as me saying, man, you, you should sh- shape up. No, I'm saying that God has called us, that, that we are Christians. We have a high calling and I'm inviting you to, to wherever you are, take the next step of loving one another. I love my boys, I love my girl, my daughter and my, my two boys, and, and we're trying to figure out what does it look like to be a Barnes? What does that mean? And there are some things that I want my, my children to, to grow into. At the same time, I'm so pleased with where they are. I'm so thankful for, for what God has done in them. 
But me as a father, I'm calling them up to something else. I'm, I'm looking for ways to call them up. My, my wife and I, we're, we're looking for ways to call them up into something. Knowing that they are Barneses and that, that means something in our household. Family, you are a Christian and that means something in the world. God is calling you, you to love radically. To give. To turn it up a notch. He says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. But he doesn't just leave it there. Thankfully, he gives us some reasons. In, in verse 22, he says this, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere and brotherly love. Now, those of you who like language, you will notice that having purified yourself is uh, it's a uh, prepositional. No, it's not prepositional. I like language, and I'm, I'm blanking out right now. Oh, my goodness. It's a participle. There we go. I did it. Participial phrase, gerund or gerundive, I don't know. It's a participial phrase. That means it's a, it's a, it's a, a verbal idea. And the question is, how, what does this have to do with the main idea? The main idea is love one another. But before that, he said, having purified yourself... By obedience to the truth, for a sincere and brotherly love, what does that have to do with love one another? Well, it's a reason. It's a ground. You could say, since, because you've purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere and brotherly love, therefore, love one another. So the first reason is that we are saved in order to love one another. We ought to love one another because God saves us specifically for that purpose. You know, many of us, I think we came to faith in Jesus Christ because we didn't want to go to hell. That is not a bad reason, right? Hell is hot and forever is a long time. It, it, it's, it's understandable that we would want to, to avoid the perfect, righteous, eternal wrath of God. And if, and if you're in this room and you don't know what that's about, we're sinners. That means we disobeyed God. There is a righteous God who controls and, and rules over everything. He does have a standard of, of life of devotion, of expectation of how we ought to live, we've all failed. Because of that, because we have, we have uh, offended the most infinitely valuable in, uh, individual in all of everything, in and out of creation, there is an equally infinite and high judgment due to us. But because of the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're offered eternal life. And so we are saved from our condemnation to sin. But to what end? For what purpose? If, if it was just so that we could not go to hell, God could just kind of beam me up, Scotty. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. There was a show <laughs> a while ago that had what's called a tractor beam. A tractor beam was this beam in a spaceship. Okay, yeah, anyways. The point is, if God wanted to, he could just bring us to heaven. But he doesn't, for the most part. There was one guy in the Old Testament that he kind of was like, you come with me. Two guys, I guess, Enoch and Elijah. But, but by and large, that's not his normal operating procedure. Normally, we have to live a life and die and then be with God. The question is, why? Because God wants us to do something here on earth. In the Old Testament, he wanted Israel to be the presence and the power of God on earth for the nations around and in the New Testament and in our day, God wants us to be the presence and power and, and witness of God on earth for the people around us. That means in Sterling, we are intended to be the light on the hill, right? You don't hide that under a bushel. No, 
We're going to let our light shine. He calls us and he saves us in order that we are to love one another. Now, it says in verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth. If that, if that makes you feel nervous, Pastor Eddie, what are you talking about, obedience to the truth? I thought we were saved by faith alone, not through works. Well, obedience to the truth is, is Peter's way of describing conversion. It's his way of describing coming to faith in Jesus Christ, right? But we still have to obey in the sense that we have to put our faith in God. We have to hear the gospel and agree to it. That is the obedience to the truth that he is speaking about. Um, and when that happens, our souls are purified. Our, our sin is taken away. We're made holy before God. And he says this, since you've been purified, I'm, I'm adding the word since, but we can do that. Trust me. Or don't. We can talk about it later. But having purified our souls, since you purified your souls by obedience to the truth. Why? For a sincere brotherly love. Did you know that you were saved in order to love other people? I'll be honest, this, this text surprised me a little bit. Like, I know that we need to do that. I, I'm aware that we are to love one another, right? There are other Bible verses that say love one another. But I did not see the connection of God saving us in order that we might love one another. But it makes sense because God doesn't just save one person, right? He saves a people. He saves a family. And in the same way that when I wake up in the morning and, and my kids wake up, and they start fighting, I want them to get along, please, right now. God wants his people, he wants his children to get along, please, right now. He wants us to love one another. God saves us in order that we might love one another. My, my, I hope that as you begin to, as you're listening, that you're seeing that, that this Christian walk, it's not... <laughs> It's not just like, I get saved and I do whatever I want with my life. Right? That, that idea of salvation, is, it's wrong. It's faulty. And anyone that tries to tell you that, they're, they're selling you some snake oil. It, God's call, his, his request that you follow him, it's a good call. It's a worthwhile call. It's the only call, but it's not an easy call. That's why Jesus doesn't say, everybody, let's get on the wide road. No, he calls it narrow because it's hard, but it's good. Your purpose is to show his love in the world by loving others. But this is not the only reason that he gives. He continues and he says in verse 23 and following, since you have been born again, and this is another um, um, participle, participial phrase. Uh, since you've been born again, or you could say having been born again, not from imperishable seed, but not from perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And he goes on to explain what, what perishing and imperishing looks like. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Right? He says, the grass, perishable. The word of God, imperishable. Right? That's, that's what I mean, says Peter. And then he goes on and he says, okay, and you have been born... Not of perishable seed, over here, grass, but of imperishable, the word of God. And if you're wondering what that word of God, he goes on and he says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So the, the gospel carries in it the power of God, and it, and it exhibits the nature of God in that it is imperishable. It does not fade, it does not die, it does not wither, it does not decay, it lasts forever. And anything that is born of 
the power and the word of God does the same thing. It does not decay, it does not die, it lives forever. Now that is an amazing and awesome reality, but what on earth does it have to do with loving one another? Okay, he said, follow the logic with me, or follow my confusion with me as I was reading this. I was reading and say, okay, love one another since you're going to live forever because of the gospel preached to you. I mean, it sounds good, and we could just walk away and say, like, okay, sure, whatever. But the connection, what is the connection? If you, don't, if you don't ask that question, it's good to ask these types of questions because it makes the Bible uh, come alive for you. If you just kind of read it, you're like, okay, whatever. If you don't fight for some sort of understanding, then, then it will be difficult for it to gr- kind of grasp your heart. But if you will engage the Bible with some honest questions and say, Peter, what are you talking about? Why do you talk about imperishable seed right here? You know, love one another because the world is watching. That would make sense to me, Peter. Love one another because um, Jesus told you to. Okay, that would make sense to me. Love one another because, you know, I first loved you. You know, John talks about that, Peter. John makes sense. He repeats himself. I I get John. What are you talking about here? What's the connection? In other words, what is... What does our love for other Christians have to do with the fact that we've been born again from an imperishable seed? Like I said, he makes this comparison between the the perishable, everything in creation is perishable, our bodies are perishable, you know, avocados are super perishable, (laughs) bananas, I mean, I'm joking, but now you have a really good idea of what perishable is, you know, It's, it's that elusive... When is it ripe? Is it ripe? Is it ripe? Nope, 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 overripe. You know, there's no hope. That's perishable. God is not, he's imperishable. Imagine an eternally ripe avocado that you could eat from forever. I mean, just guacamole for days. It's silly, but you get an idea of of what he's trying, he's saying, this is kind of awesome. This is terrible. The word of the Lord remains forever, and if the word of the Lord remains forever, then whatever's produced by that word also remains or abides forever. And what do we have in this seed? What is this seed comprised of? In the seed of the gospel, we see Jesus' love, which forgives. In the seed of the gospel, we see Jesus' love, which sacrifices. In the seed of the gospel, we see Jesus' love, which obeys. This is not just like a seed that, that brings life. This is a seed that reforms our soul, gives us a new nature, as Paul would say. The reason that Peter tells us this is he says, it's now, there's something different about you. You don't just have this dead and dying fern, right, that's going to pass away. No, there's a new and eternal plant that's growing in you, that is you, and that new eternal plant has some characteristics, characteristics of of sacrificial love, of of patience, of kindness, of steadfastness, of faithfulness, right? In in, uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about love. You know, you could read half of the marriage books, and if you just read and memorize and, and apply 1 Corinthians 13, you could do it. Um, 
It says in verse 4, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Oops. Um, It is not irritable. Uh, It is not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. This is the nature of the love that has been planted into you by this uh, imperishable and abiding word of God. Right? Your salvation doesn't happen in a vacuum. God, the seed is the love. And, and that seed of love, it, it demands in growing that you love your neighbor. But more specifically from this text, that you love your brother and your sister in Christ. Because the love of God abides within us through the word of God, we must love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Do you see the connection? Some of you do. Some of you are still thinking about avocados. I get it. Family, today, as we consider the word of God, the fact that, right, theologically speaking, it is imperishable, right? This, this word, which expounds the, the gospel, which I think we could honestly say that the, the Bible, it's 66 books, which, which point, us to, point us to the gospel, which prepares for the gospel, which explain the gospel, which expound the gospel and apply the gospel, this word is imperishable. It's not going away. And it, and, it, and it carries with it eternal power. Right? That's, that's the theological, we're talking about the word peace. But, but the point that Peter's trying to make is, since this word has produced something in you, then let's make sure that we are walking and nurture. To, to use the language of seeds, we are nurturing the seed of love that has been planted in us. Are you living in relationship with other Christians or are you avoiding relationships with other Christians? Are you living in relationship with other Christians or are you avoiding relationships? And, and by that, again, I don't mean do you know someone's name here at church. If you do, I'm so happy for you. I'm thankful. I really do appreciate that. And I would invite you to the next level of saying, what does it look like for you to invite those people into your life in a meaningful way? What does it mean for for you to have someone in this congregation, some people in this congregation who can ask you how you're doing, who can pray for you, who like, like James talks about, can see that, oh man, you're, you're about to fall into sin and call you on the phone and say, man, please don't do that. Please don't make that choice. Please don't go that direction. And invite you into holiness. Are you in a small group? Are you in a small group? And by that, I mean not just does the small group leader know that you have attended once, but, but are you regularly attending a small group? Have you, have you made the commitment of one hour out of 168 a week, once a week or once every two weeks? I say that because it's compared to the time you, you have that time. You have the time to be in a small group. Especially if it's virtual. <laughs> um, are you active in a small group? Who can you call today and give a word of encouragement? Last week we talked about stirring one another up to love and good deeds. Who can you call today and say, you know, it's funny, I was, I was trying, to, when I was in college, I, I was trying to honor God. It's interesting, the times that I've tried to pursue kind of prophecy, sometimes we talk about prophecy, we're a church that believes that God still speaks, and, and sometimes people can pursue it in kind of like a superhero kind of way, like, I want to be Captain Super Prophet or something like that. Um, but I've found that God is really eager 
to speak to us when we're trying to love other people. And I was at my house just kind of praying and talking, not because I was super holy, but because I was single and bored. Um, but whatever, God will take what he can take. Uh, and, and I was praying and said, God, is there any, anyone I can encourage? And, and I had this word, there was a guy I knew and I didn't know what was going on in his life, but we were friends. He said, I want you to call him and, and tell him that God loves him. I'm like, that's not a prophecy. No, I want to like, in three months, you know, there's going to be a dragon that comes out of the sky and he's going to swallow something and then you're going to get treasure and it's going to be, all, you know, I wanted it to be a, a cool. He's like, well, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So, um, so I called the guy. I'm like, I, man, I just, I was praying and I felt like God telling me to tell you that he loves you. You know, like, that's in the Bible. It's pretty safe. Not super exciting. And he's like, oh, man, thanks so much. I just broke up with my girlfriend. It's really encouraging. I had no idea. But in a moment where, where I was trying to love, just trying to love other people, other, other Christians specifically, God took that moment and used it, made me a tool for his comfort. Who, who can you be a tool for God's comfort? Who can you love today with a word? Maybe it's not words. Maybe, maybe you like to bake. Maybe it's baking. Maybe, maybe you're an older couple and, and you see a younger couple and uh, you're an older couple. You can afford to invite them out, to, to send them out, to babysit their kids. And, you know, we, we've been blessed by older couples who have seen us floundering as young parents and saying, you know what? Y'all go out for a date. Here's some money. There are ways for us to love one another. And, and family, it's when the world sees that, it's they see something different. They don't see people using relationships as transactions. They don't see people using relationships as stepping stones. They see people giving and giving and giving, and at the same time, being fulfilled. And it doesn't make sense to the world because the world doesn't have... There's no parody, not parody like P-A-R-O-D. There's no like P-A-R-I-T-Y, comparison. 